This evening we're going to be reading from Psalm 36. Psalm 36, I'm going to read the entire, the entire psalm. It says, To the choir master of David, the servant of the Lord. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while in his bed he sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoer lies fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. Amen. Well, this evening we'll be continuing our series in the book of Ruth. And we'll be looking together at Ruth chapter 2. That's Ruth chapter 2. Remember, Ruth chapter 1 leaves off that Ruth and Naomi have returned from Moab, and it's just at the beginning of the barley harvest. And that's where our passage begins very shortly thereafter. Let's begin with verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they said, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
And she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servants, your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, That man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. As we look at this passage, we see very clearly that God is taking care of Ruth and Naomi. But that's not clear from the very beginning. Think about the situation that Ruth and Naomi are in at the very beginning. They've just come back to these two widows. Uh, They've come back from the land of Moab to where they should be in the first place, in the land of Bethlehem, among the people of God and in the presence of God, but... They're penniless. They're poor. What in the world is God going to do to provide for them? That would be tempting for them to doubt that God is really going to care for them. I think we all fall into that at different times, that we actually doubt God's care for us. I mean, we know who God is. We know all the scripture passages that we use to encourage ourselves. But there are still moments in our lives where we doubt whether God really will come through for us, whether He really will provide for our needs. We doubt God's care. But like Ruth and Naomi, we need to learn time and time again about God's covenant love and faithfulness for us. He is a God who does not change. And if He has promised to care for us, which He has, then He will do it. And that is what Ruth and Naomi learn in this passage is they learn about God's unchanging covenant faithfulness and kindness. And what we see more specifically is that God shows His covenant kindness through the kindness of a Redeemer. That's what we see very clearly here, is that God is showing His covenant kindness to these women through the kindness of a Redeemer. That truth is very, very important for our lives as well. It's important because it helps us to be reminded that God does take care of us. He is continuing to show His covenant kindness to us. But this story here in Ruth 2 is so much bigger than just your individual life or even the life of Ruth and Naomi because Boaz is really a type of Christ. Boaz is showing us what Jesus Christ does 
for his church. God, our covenant God, blesses us as people through our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So as we look at Ruth 2 this evening, we need to see Christ at work. As we look at this passage, we're not going to have three nice, tidy points. Instead, I want to walk through the story as God starts to unfold His covenant kindness to Ruth and Naomi through a man named Boaz. That's who we meet in the very first verse. We meet Boaz. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now that description is very important. Boaz is a worthy man. Now your translation might say a man of great wealth, something like that. Now that word is kind of a word that describes a great man. It's true that we see Boaz as somebody who has a lot of wealth. See, he owns land. He also could employ many servants to reap that land. But what stands out about Boaz in this passage is actually his character. He has a godly character. You see here that he is a man who loves God, who loves God's law, and loves God's people. In other words, to say Boaz is great because he is godly. It's actually the very same word, being worthy, is used of Ruth in chapter 3. She is a worthy woman. She also is a godly woman. Now, we see in the next few verses that God brings Ruth and this godly man Boaz together. Look at verse 3. As Ruth looks for a field around Bethlehem to glean barley in, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now, the the irony is supposed to to jump off the page because we know that this is God at work. We've seen already in chapter 1 the great providences of God in the life of Ruth and Naomi, right? Remember last time we saw the hard providences, actually, that God has used to bring Naomi and Ruth back to himself. And here we see God's providence again at work as he leads Ruth to the field of Boaz. It's very clear, Naomi and Ruth did not plan this. I'm sure Naomi would love to have done this if she knew, but she didn't know. And God is sovereignly working out his plan to bless them. Now, as as Boaz arrives at the field and he, he sees Ruth there working, the narrator actually emphasizes the differences between Boaz and Ruth. There is Boaz, the landowner, and Ruth, that poor woman, picking up the leftover barley. There is also Boaz, the faithful Israelite, greeting his reapers in the name of the Lord. And there is Ruth, the foreigner. Notice how she's described. She doesn't get a name. She is just the young Moabite woman. On the surface, Ruth and Boaz could not be more different. And those differences are actually very important for the point of the story because God gives Boaz a unique opportunity to reflect God's own character as he deals with Ruth. Really, through Boaz's words and actions in verses 8 through 16, we see the covenant love and compassion of our God. Those verses, really 8 to 16, they're at the the center of this passage. If you want to think about it, This is kind of like a sandwich of covenant kindness because on the outside, we see the things that Boaz says and does for Ruth. He shows kindness to Ruth. 
And at the very center, Boaz focuses on the kindness of God for Ruth as well. So on the outside is Boaz's actions and words. On the inside, really, is God's own kindness for Ruth. Now, in verses 8 to 9, Boaz shows Ruth kindness by offering her protection and provision. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. What Boaz is doing is he is making sure that Ruth will be provided for during the entire harvest. Actually, if you look at the last verse of this chapter, it's not even just the barley harvest. It's also the wheat harvest. Boaz is providing for Ruth, but he is also protecting her from harm. If you look throughout this passage, there are many kinds of dark things going on in the background. Look at Naomi's words at the end. If you go somewhere else, you may be assaulted, but Boaz protects Ruth. And that that kind of provision and protection might not seem very significant to us, but Ruth recognizes Boaz's kindness. She says, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Why are you caring for me when all I am is just a Moabite. Well, Boaz answers her by pointing Ruth to her, to her own faith and her own obedience, and more significantly pointing to the kindness of her new God, the God of Israel. Verses 11 through 12 are really the heart of the entire chapter here. Boaz answered her. Notice what he points out. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth's faith and obedience are seen in verse 11. Boaz highlights her care for Naomi and her commitment to Israel. As we saw last week, that is not just a natural kind of care, a natural kind of commitment. No, God worked in the heart of Ruth to change her, to change her from the inside out, to take those kinds of dramatic steps. God saved Ruth and he gave her faith. And then Ruth demonstrates that new faith by following Naomi home. But in verse 12, Boaz points Ruth away from herself, really to her new God. And he prays that God would reward her for that faith and obedience. Now, what what Boaz says in verse 12, it's a really stunning statement on, on many different levels. And I want us to kind of work a little more slowly through it so we understand what Boaz is saying. And the first thing to notice here is simply that Boaz assures Ruth that the Lord is her God. Ruth has turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, for refuge, and that God has welcomed her in. Now, the picture that Boaz is using there is of a, of a mother bird who is protecting her young under her wings. It's a place of refuge, of protection, but also of blessing. Now, that, that picture of God's protection and care occurs throughout the Bible, especially in the Psalms. We actually read from Psalm 30, 36 earlier in the service. Verse 7, the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. 
What you also see, interestingly, in Psalm 36 is it's not just protection from the outside, but it's also blessing from the inside. Being in the presence of God leads to blessing, and Ruth is going to discover that in the rest of the words of Boaz. But as Boaz talks about this God who is going to protect Ruth and bless her, his words draw attention to who this God really is. He is the Lord, the God of Israel. Notice that Boaz goes out of his way to stress that he is the God of Israel. And Ruth the Moabite would not seem to qualify for the protection of that God because he is the God of Israel, not the God of Moab. He is the Lord. Remember that covenant. He is the God who has a special relationship only with his people Israel. How is this a comfort for Ruth to hear? Well, Boaz's point is that God has now brought Ruth into his people, that he is now the God of Israel. He is the God of her now. He is now the one who will protect her. Do you remember how Ruth identified herself? She is a Moabite. She is a foreigner. She keeps stressing that she doesn't fit in. Boaz reminds her, though, that this is no longer true. It's not true. God himself has welcomed her into his people, and he will show Ruth the same care and the same blessing he shows to all of his people. Now, before we go on, just just take a minute and see the amazing truth of the gospel here. What Boaz says here is one of the great assurances of the gospel because Ruth has gone from being an enemy of God who is outside of his care and protection. And actually being outside of that is not a neutral thing. No, she is under God's wrath. But now she's gone from being out there to being under his wings, having that protection, having that blessing of being in his presence. That's, that's part of the gospel message. We have to tell people that. We have to know that for ourselves that salvation in Christ brings forgiveness, but it also brings fellowship, renewed fellowship with God. And that fellowship we have with our God is marked by abundant blessing. Now, that blessing is actually what Boaz points to next. He says that God will repay Ruth. He will reward Ruth for her faith and obedience. I have to say, reading those words myself, and maybe for you, those words kind of hit me because that's not how we normally think. Um, Sometimes we we read a word like reward or or repaying for our faith and obedience. That that makes us feel kind of uncomfortable because we we are so clear about our salvation coming from grace alone. We know that we can't earn our salvation by doing good works. But then Boaz seems to be saying that God rewards what we do for him. And actually, that's true. That is biblical. Think about what God has done for us. He gives us good works to do for him. And God actually promises blessing for obedience. Part of why I'm bringing this out here is because we need to understand this point well, because we need to see who our God is much more clearly. It was true for Ruth, and it's true for us. We need to see the blessing of our God. Now, we know, like I said, that every part of our salvation is by God's grace in Christ Jesus, right? We are saved by grace alone. Look at Ephesians 2. And we are then sanctified also by grace alone. Think about Philippians 2, 12 to 13. 
Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for, here's the reason, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we know that actually our justification, our adoption, some of those blessings are from God and our sanctification also is by the grace of God. That means our obedience comes through God's grace. But God actually does even more gracious things for us by rewarding us for our obedience. And we know that actually we don't ever deserve a reward from God because our works are still constantly full of sin. Even if we took the best one of our works and we held it up to God's perfect standard, it would always fall short. But in Christ and in Christ alone, God accepts our works. He really does. And as he accepts them, he also freely chooses, not because we're so great, no, he freely chooses to reward us. Now, Paul speaks of this as he looks forward to a heavenly reward, a future reward, like the crown of righteousness that is laid up for us. Think of what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. But so often we look to the future instead of also seeing that God rewards obedience in the here and now. And we can certainly see that in the life of Ruth. She receives food and a family from God and closer fellowship with him as well. Even as I, I say that, I need to be careful, right? Because this is not a health and wealth gospel. Don't read the book of Ruth and think that you are going to get a spouse or you're going to get this specific kind of blessing from God. Actually, we know, Paul's a great example, that obedience to God often leads to persecution and a loss of a lot of physical comforts in our life. But the truth remains that in Christ, God does reward us. He does reward us spiritually and sometimes physically for obedience. Why do we need to understand that? Well, we need to understand God's gracious reward because it helps us to understand who God is. We have an amazingly kind God who freely, graciously chooses to reward his people far beyond our actual obedience. Think about it. We don't, we don't have a tight-fisted God. Think about what that God would be like. That would be like an employer who hates to give you your paycheck, who just hates to do that. No, that's not how God works. No, God is like that kind of boss who loves to give Christmas bonuses, things that you actually didn't even deserve as a worker for him, but he freely chooses to bless you in Christ. But also, God's reward for obedience tells us that He cares about what we do. He values our obedience in Christ and abundantly blesses us. Now, every one of us has an endless list of God's blessing for us. If you just look at your own life, you can see what God has been doing for you. But I wonder if you've also thought about the ways that God has blessed your obedience. Again, it's not so that you can go and pat yourself on the back. God is blessing you far beyond what your obedience is, and He's blessing you really for the righteousness of Christ and the obedience of Christ. But I want you to think about your own life. Are there instances that you can think of where God has actually rewarded your obedience? Now, I can think of someone I, I know who um, can testify to that in their own life. Even just something simple 
as going to church, obeying God's command to worship. Now, this person I'm thinking of is very challenging in their situation to actually attend church. And yet they did. And God blessed them mightily by opening up a door to share the gospel as a result. It's really amazing to see the way that God connected their faith and obedience with the blessing of sharing the gospel. Are there instances that you can think of in your own life of something similar to that where God has actually blessed you as you followed Him? And remember Psalm 36, the abundant blessings of being in God's presence. Think of Psalm 23, that actually as God is the one who leads us, we follow Him and He leads us into great blessing. Now remember, it's God's kindness. It's God's unmerited favor toward us that we're looking at. God shows that to us, and He also shows it to Ruth. And God's kindness toward Ruth is really at the heart of this chapter because He is showing that He is the one who will take care of her and reward her. What, What Boaz is doing here is simply showing and communicating God's own care for Ruth. But what Boaz does is very important, and we see more of his care for Ruth in verses 14 to 16. Before he offered her protection and provision, and now he offers her fellowship and food. And what we see again in these next few verses is that Boaz continues to reflect God's character, especially in the abundance of his care for Ruth. Notice what he does. In verse 14, he provides her fellowship by welcoming her to eat with him and his servants. He is publicly including her in the life of the covenant community. She may have been a Moabite before, but now she is being welcomed into Israel. But Boaz also does more because he provides her with food. And notice that he provides her with more than enough food. Verse 14, and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. That abundance is significant because it reminds us of God's own abundant blessing for us. I just mentioned Psalm 23. Think of what David says there. He says, my cup runneth over. The abundance of Boaz is reflecting the abundance of God. But we really see God's character reflected in Boaz most clearly in verses 15 to 16. Because in these verses, Boaz goes above and beyond the law of God to care for Ruth. Now, Boaz has already done a lot for Ruth. Think about even letting her come into his fields. He is obeying the law of God. Think about Leviticus chapter 19, 9 through 10. God commanded there that someone like Boaz was supposed to leave crops at the edge and the corners of the field and not pick up what was left behind so that women like Ruth, poor, sojourners, widows, would be able to have food. But you'll notice that Ruth now is allowed to glean almost right behind the reapers. So she's actually now getting some of the barley even before it's getting picked up by Boaz's servants. And Boaz commands the reapers to purposefully drop some of the barley for her to collect. Boaz is not content to simply follow the letter of the law of God. No, he's actually following the spirit of the law as well to care for someone like Ruth, even, think about this, even at a greater cost to himself. 
He is willing to take that cost to be able to care for Ruth. Now we see the result of Ruth's kindness in the last verses in verses 17 to 23. Ruth comes home and she shows Naomi the barley she gleaned and the food that she had left over. And Naomi understands how generous Boaz is. She says, blessed be the man who took care of you. And just for context, I want you to see how great Boaz has been. Ruth gathered, says about an ephah of barley. That's about six gallons of barley in just one day. Line up six gallons of milk in your mind and but don't have milk in them. Fill, them. fill them up with barley. That was a huge amount for just one person who is picking up the leftovers in the field. That's quite significant. Naomi recognizes that this man must be somebody special, somebody who loves God. But actually, she sees even more God's kindness to her and His providence when she knows that it is Boaz. Notice what she says in verse 20. Right after she hears it's Boaz, she says, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. That that word kindness is the word for God's covenant love for his people. It's that kind of unchanging love that he has for us as his people. And Naomi recognizes now, maybe clearly for the first time, that God is still exercising His unchanging love for her and for for her family. God has not abandoned them. Not in the least, no. Instead, Naomi begins to see that God's love and faithfulness are still at work for her, and they are coming to her in the person of Boaz. Naomi says one more thing that gives her hope. This man is a close relative of ours, one of our Redeemer's. And we'll see in the next few chapters why that's so important, why his relationship to them is so important. Because God has made close relatives like Boaz in the law of God. He has made these kind of close relatives to be redeemers who will buy back the land that poor people may have had to sell, like Ruth and Naomi, and even to marry family members. That's what we're going to see in the next few weeks as we look at what Boaz does for Ruth and Naomi. But Naomi sees at the bottom line of this that God has been kind. His covenant love has not changed. Now, now let me just make a few bigger connections here from this passage. I said at the beginning, and it's true, Boaz is a type of Christ. This is not just a story about a nice guy who helped out a poor woman. No, Boaz is pointing us forward to the work of Christ, especially the work of Christ as he blesses his people. Notice what God does. He rewards Ruth through Boaz. See, the blessings of God that we see in this passage all come through just one man. They all come through Boaz. And who is Boaz? Remember, he is a worthy man. He is a godly man who fulfills the full intent of God's law. It is not an accident who God chooses to show his kindness to Ruth. God is pointing us forward to someone who is greater than Boaz. He is pointing us to the the godly man, to Jesus Christ. Boaz, the best that he could do is he could give physical gifts to Ruth and Naomi, and he does. But Christ gives us so much more than that because Christ has earned every gift 
for us. And now he is reigning in heaven and he is freely and graciously giving the gifts that he has received from his father to us, his children, through his Holy Spirit. So Boaz is actually pointing us forward to the greater work of Christ in providing for all of our needs in this life and in the next. But we do need to see Boaz also as a Christian. And that's an encouragement for us now because Boaz is, Boaz is serving as the man that God uses to bless his people. In other words, it is God blesses his people through his people. We see that in the life of Boaz. One of the ways that Christ works in us is through, one of the ways that Christ, sorry, works through us through his spirit is actually also through his people. We sometimes miss that, but we're actually imitating Christ when we serve others. But it's more than just imitating Christ. It's not just that we're being more Christ-like as we serve others, because we are actually being used by Christ to serve others. We're not just being imitators, but we're being his instruments. Now let, me, let me point this out again in the passage. God could have provided for Ruth in many different ways. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. But he chose to use a faithful man like Boaz to follow and even exceed the law of God. It's true. God can provide for you and for me in many different ways as well. But he so often chooses to use us to bless one another as we faithfully obey him. We see that when he gives us these opportunities to help one another in practical ways, that we are showing the love of Christ as we help each other. We also are showing actually the work of Christ as we encourage one another. We are actually doing the work of Christ as we speak the truth to one another in love. As day by day we point each other to Christ. Now, The point that I'm making here is just simply that, God, that Christ chooses to use us as he blesses others. So we see Boaz as a type of Christ pointing us to Christ. And we also see Boaz as an encouragement for us as someone like ourselves that Christ chooses to use to bless his people. So with those two things in mind as we close this evening, I would encourage you, look to Christ. You can look to the world, you can look all sorts of other places, and you'll never find fulfillment. You'll never find the blessings that you need. But in Christ and in Christ alone, we have infinite blessing, eternal blessing. It's not just waiting for us somewhere else. It's blessing here and now as well. And as we look to Christ and we see his blessing for us, rejoice. Such a great joy and encouragement to know the love of God in Christ Jesus through his spirit for us. But also, as you look at Christ and his blessings for you, look at one another. Look at one another and look for ways that he calls us to obey him and serve one another. It's really an amazing privilege that Boaz has to picture Christ, but also to be Christ's instrument for his blessing of his people. And that is something that you and I have the privilege of doing today for one another as well. So be encouraged. God is at work in his people. God is at work in amazing ways to provide for us for all of our needs. And so often he does that through us as his church. It's a a matter of great thankfulness, great praise, and also a privilege to be able to serve him in that way. Amen. Let's pray together. 
Lord, it is good to be able to see your blessing of just one person in the life of Ruth and Naomi. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you blessed them because you were building your church. And Lord, we thank you that also you actually promised blessing for us. Not necessarily food or a family, but we know actually that you love us. And because you love us, you give us everything we need in Christ. You give us uh, our daily bread. You give us growth in our faith. You give us eternal life with you. What more could we ask than, from, than what we are receiving from you? We thank you for the, the grace and the love that you have for us. And Lord, as we do see that you also use us in the lives of each other, we pray that we would be faithful servants who uh, see needs around us and are willing to serve on behalf of you, Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and died for us. We thank you for the encouragement of this passage that you are at work in us and through us. And we pray that you would continue to do this because you love us and it brings glory to you. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.